You're listening to Data Plus Love. I'm here today with Mark Bradborn. Mark, if you don't know him, is just an incredible member of the Tableau DataFam community, as well as a Tableau employee. He has been a solutions engineer there for, I believe, at least six months now. And if you haven't gone back um, to watch videos from TC19 or weren't there in person, he was also one of the Sioux visitors in the Iron Viz competition. Mark, how are you this evening? I am great, Zach. How are you? I am also great. Um, I'm really excited to be talking with you. You've been a friend of mine for a while. We've talked, you know, just casually in other circumstances, but it's cool to get to have um, some friends on the pod. Uh, I've avoided having you on, honestly, much like <laughs> I told uh, Kevin Flurlidge. I I told him when I was starting off, I'm not going to have anyone with the last name Flurlidge on the podcast for a while, because honestly, you're kind of a little too high profile. Oh. Know about that. I mean, look, I, you're closer to a Nirvana than a Pixies. You know, it's like you're you're closer to the Stones than that band, the Stones, like uh, that's that's influenced them. So, um, yeah, you're you're a cool guy, and I'm glad to be talking with you. As I will say that I am probably over the last call it two and a half, three years, probably one of the luckiest guys on the planet. I, at least that's the way I feel. Powerball. Um, what's that? Powerball? No, uh, I've tried, but but I'm still got to show up for work every day. But luckily, um, I guess it, I think it's almost nine months now uh, that I joined Tableau. And for anybody who knows me, um, that was like the most obvious career move I could have made um, as big of a advocate and evangelist for the platform uh, to be, you know, working on the team that sells Tableau and and pushes the mission to help people see and understand data. I mean that's kind of my gig. And now I get paid to do it, which is amazing. I mean, you, you're very, um, I would have said junkie, you know, that's but fair. that works too. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Junkie evangelist fanboy. Um, yeah, it all works. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all descriptive, although evangelist carries a much more, you know, I guess it depends. It's a, it's a much more uh, robust, um, pious connotation but yeah it's it's a perfect fit for you frankly i mean when i first started getting involved in the community and stuff you were definitely one of the visible faces i saw out there and uh as i was preparing for the show which uh to the 200 something people that listen regularly um i don't really prepare that much for the show i don't make questions because if i were talking to you while having drinks at the conference i wouldn't have had questions but i was looking at your portfolio because i usually do and you have 245 public visits like i didn't realize you had that much stuff man yeah um i i will like hang that on makeover monday uh I did my first makeover Monday in, I think it was October of 2016. And I was just kind of doing them casually at the end of that year. And um, at the same time, I found out I was getting laid off um, from a job that I absolutely loved. Um, So I was like, well, gosh, what am I going to do now? And I just decided to like, really like dive in um, to learn Tableau as well as I could. And at the same time, uh, like jump into the community as, as well as I could. Uh, so yeah, I started doing makeover Monday and I kind of casually, and I'm not one for new year's resolutions, but actually kind of made a soft resolution, if you will, that I was just going to do every makeover Monday in 2017. And I was like, "Ah, that's achievable. It's like, you know, a couple hours a week, no big deal. And I did, I did every one of them in, in 2017. And then I was like, well, why stop? So I did all of them in 2018. And I was like, well, I've got two years. Why not three? And I did all of them in 2019. And I finally, quote unquote, retired, uh, you know, after 2019. 
but at that point I had done three years straight um, and then add on any kind of personal projects, Viz for Social Good, Workout Wednesday, um, uh, storytelling with data challenges, like anything that I could find that it was an interesting thing to try and visualize, I would jump on. And uh, 245 Viz's later, um, yeah, I've got quite a portfolio. And it's really fun to look at, like especially if I go to the first one because it's absolutely horrific. Um, I can actually see the growth in, in the way I visualize data and, um, you know, just my, I, I don't really have a style. I don't think like I look at someone like Chantilly or, or Kevin Fleurledge or, or Ken, like they have a style and like, I feel like I'm all over the road sometimes, but um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it's fun to look at. Yeah. I, I just scrolled for literally 30 seconds to get back to the beginning of your portfolio. That's, that's how deep it goes. So you're not wrong. I mean, it's, ex it's extensive. Um, I, you're right. I don't think you have a style. Like some people almost have like a visual fingerprint. You can uh, pick up their sort of uh, Chantilly, definitely Kevin, like Sam Odroll, people like that. Um, they definitely have a very unique um, identity visually almost. And I think yours, rather than necessarily having a particular go-to visually, you have like a whimsicality almost and a playfulness to a lot of your stuff. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like it looks like my... Um... Well, I don't really have it anymore, but I used to have a CD collection um, that I had over a thousand CDs and it ranged from jazz to heavy metal and everything in between. And, and it just kind of depends on my mood. And I feel like um, once I figured out that I could actually combine a bit of art and creativity with visualization, like I feel like it reflects my, my taste in music. Like it just depends on the mood I'm in, on the direction that I'll go. That makes sense. I've actually compared some visits I was working on before to the genre of music I was into at that moment. Like this is clearly being inspired by X or Y. Um, having done three years of Makeover Mondays though, that's over 150 visits just, um, just there for that. And then having like another 90 something on top of that. Um, what would you say one of the biggest benefits to doing that was? I have some other friends that are, you know, very sort of stalwart in doing exercises regularly, but what would you say, you know, three years in were some of the best things you took away from just being steadfast and doing that regularly? I think the biggest thing is, well, I guess there's two things. One is the speed that I can put something basic together. So I was at the Cincinnati user group um, that ended up being like a mini TC, like Sarah Bartlett had flown in from England and uh, Adam Miko had <laughs> come in from Madison. Like it was, uh, you know, a really cool um, event. And one of the things that they were doing was a blind challenge. Like you had to turn off all the automatic updating and build a copycat biz to a dashboard that they had projected up on the screen. So I knew what it took to build visualizations and I knew how Tableau would react and I was able to build do this blind build of a dashboard in, in you know just a, a few minutes um, and probably I'd guess within a 90% plus accuracy you know it's pretty good considering you're not seeing what's actually happening because everybody makes mistakes god I do all the time um, and then the other thing is like all the little cool shortcuts like the stuff that um, Jeffrey Schaefer posts like weekly like did you know that you know if you right click and drag you get prompted with a menu like all those kind of speed tips um you re really just become second nature so that kind of repetitive um motion if you will of, of just going through the motions of putting together visualizations uh, at the same time not falling into a rut and like pushing yourself to make different visualization types and understand how 
the trigonometry works, which I'm still trying to understand how the trigonometry works. Um, you know, th those kind of things really start to become second nature. That's um, that's really cool about the shortcuts and doing a blind visit. I'd never thought of doing that. I mean, I've had to turn off updates before, just when you're getting hammered by a massive data set, you just want to make that change and not get hit too hard. By the way, what we're talking about is hitting the pause button on Tableau up on the menu. It's uh, try it sometime. It's fun. Uh, but uh, I'm jumping around a bit. I'm channeling some of my uh, five-year-old's ADHD right now. So bear with me. But uh, so Tableau Conference uh, TC19. Uh, there was a roar from the crowd when you appeared on stage, which uh, I imagine was probably a uh, interesting moment for you. It's like, was that embarrassing? Is that exciting? What was that like? That was probably next to getting hired at Tableau. That was probably the highlight of the year. Um, I had gotten that assignment for Tableau Conference as a work assignment, um, and no one ever instructed me. But I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep this a complete secret. I did not tell a soul. And, um, you know, the first few days of conference, like nobody's seeing me. Like I'm getting texts like, hey, Mark, where are you? I'm like, oh, sorry, I'm busy. You know, I'm doing this, that, and the other. And, you know, I was able to keep this, this secret. And, you know, when the screen goes up and the music hits and you step out and like you you hear the crowd, like, and I've been in the crowd, and, and it's always a great reception for everybody coming out on stage. But I feel like when the smoke cleared just that little bit, and they recognized another face on the stage that they knew, it was like, there was that little bit of a kick up. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then when they, you know, announced Lindsay and I, and we came out to the front, like, that was a moment I really actually got lost in. If you look at the video, Lindsay actually looks at me because we're supposed to do our power move. And I hesitated like a couple more seconds because I was just basking in it going, is this real? Is this a <laughs> real moment for me? And it was just really cool. And I just, I felt just this level of love and it was just the coolest, coolest moment. It's more of a rock star moment than you've ever had drumming. Like how, oh. how ironic is that? <laughs> Sad, but true. <laughs> Sad, but true. And I said, yeah. having listened to your tracks, you're actually really excellent. Um, so at, during uh, Lindsay's performance, which was spectacular, an amazing viz, by the way, um, one of the things that sort of grabbed the crowd was uh, the technique she was using with her calculation, how she mm -hmm. was dragging code out and sort of forming the calculations that way. I, I know I'm describing this poorly, but where did that come from? Like, who I have no idea. Um, I know we were sitting in rehearsals, like, you know, we were kind of backstage in the arena and we we're kind of in the green room and we were, I was just kind of timing her and like, you know, pushing her through the viz and, you know, giving her time prompts. And like in the first 30 seconds, I see her do this copy and paste and start dragging stuff. And I literally stopped the clock and I get, what was that? And she had to walk me through what she had done. And I had never seen that before. And I was like, that is incredible. Like the speed in which she was able to just like build all the calculations she needed. I was just like, man, that, like, I didn't realize the reaction the crowd would get because it happened so fast. But it was crazy. And I'm not quite sure. I, I need to go back and ask her where she actually learned that from or she discovered it by accident. But it was it was crazy cool. It was crazy cool. And I mean, I'm I'm friends with Josh Smith, Data Jackalope, and we were talking quite a bit and the lead up during the conference. And he's yeah, talking about the prep and everything and, you know, how it's like you're drilling and drilling and how it's it's like um, 
I think of it like a race with cars or something where you're counting like the tenths of a second and, okay, it's going to take me this long to actually build what I need. But beyond that, I need to think about scoring points in terms of some, you know, some visual appeal and some flash and some style, right? So it's uh, anything at that point where you can shave off some time is just, you know, potentially more uh, points in the bucket with the crowd and the judges. But that was just such a, I mean, out of everything that happened up there, um, in terms of just technical prowess, that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah, and, and I take hats off to all three of those contestants. Um, you know, Hesham and, and Josh, like it was so fun hanging out with the three of them backstage so supportive of each other and like you know josh is saying you know telling Lindsay that he was actually referencing her blog as he was putting together his viz and and you know hesham being like you know a, a year into using tableau and it was just it was just such a cool group of people um and i'm sure they're all have been like that you know knowing most of the contestants that have participated hasn't um, jeffrey schaefer been a contestant though i'm just saying <laughs> he's a nice guy too though um you know, and I can only imagine him being supportive. But yeah, it was just it was just a really cool experience. Like I'm so honored that like they asked me to to do that. And it's funny, I walked off stage and I went right up to Andy and I said, Andy, next year I want to be the Sioux visitor again. Like I'm just I'm just telling you now. Like that's the best experience. And I know how it works now. And I feel like I could just help the contestant even more than I did this year. So so we'll see. Having said that, uh this next year we're probably gonna be seeing some pivots and some changes. Um for those of you in the know and those of you that are in the know, actually, how are you listening to this if you don't already know this? Like, how what were you looking for that you found this podcast? Um, but uh, as we've heard this past week, that TC20 is going to be a virtual conference this year. Um, and Tableau will actually not be doing any uh, significant uh, in-person events for the remainder of 2020 as a response to COVID-19. Because uh, that's just wreaking havoc across the world right now. But do you have any sort of not inside information. I'm definitely not looking for that. But like, what do you think that this might do for the conference as a whole? Um, and how are you going to pivot on some of these events like Iron Viz? Well, luckily, Tableau is filled with some of the brightest and most creative people I've ever had the honor to work with. Um, it's I think it's heartbreaking for everybody that we're not going to have a physical conference. Um, but I think that is going to be the driving factor that we're going to do everything imaginable to make it a world-class virtual experience. Um, you know, I have no idea the pivot and the directions. Um, you know, I would encourage folks, like if you've got ideas to like tweet out and tag the, the at Tableau account, just say, Hey, you know, I would love to see this at conference. Um, because you know, the one thing that we do, you know, it, the, the content is great at conference. The learning is amazing. The, the use cases from customers are amazing. It's all of that stuff is amazing to hear. The differentiator is the community. And we want to make sure that the community is involved. Like we don't want to leave the community behind in this. Um, so we want to make sure that it's, it's a world-class, you know, experience um you know beyond the content like you know how do we get the community involved and engaged and you know make it worthwhile to to sit in your in front of your computer um for three days instead of walking around las vegas i mean i can see how the two would be so similar but um i <laughs> know <laughs> you're absolutely right though in terms of sort of the key thing about the conference is community because um, you can watch the virtual sessions afterwards, frankly, if you missed an in-person session. Um, but it's the sort of, it's the connecting material. I've compared it to like a summer camp experience in an odd way. Um, 
where my first year I went and I only knew my coworkers and I had a good time. Uh, the second year I went and I had been doing community exercises, I had met some people online and these are people I've never seen in person before. And when I got to the conference, I had people flagging me down and saying hi, giving hugs, uh, inviting me out for drinks. Um, it was a totally different experience. And as a result, I was getting so much more out of not just the conference, but out of the sessions. And I was having casual conversations with information exchange about the tool and technique that I would not have gotten if I had just strictly attended the sessions. So that is a sort of uh, interesting uh, bridge to gap or gap to bridge, gap to bridge. We're gonna pretend I got it right the first time. Um, that <laughs> that we'll have to conquer the virtual session. One of the things I was thinking about was I've attended a couple of these coffee hours um, from the data school and the information lab that they've hosted online. And they have a very neat, I forget the software they're using is, but it allows people to sort of chat in small groups as if they're sitting around a table. Yeah, remo.co. Remo, yeah, right. It's called remo.co. And yeah, I've attended a couple of those and it is, it's awesome. And like, I could see something like that being used as kind of a social stop in, right? You know, cause like one of the best things about conferences, you could be wandering down the hall between sessions and you bump into someone, you know, that you know from online or the forums or, or whatever, and you strike up that conversation. And I would love to have that ability to do that, you know, within the virtual world to, to say, you know, okay, here, so here's the remote.co session. It's open from eight to five. So between sessions, if you want to drop in, drop in, you know, rotate around the tables, have conversations. And I would love to see, you know, folks like Adam and Jackie and Francois drop into those tables too, because that was like one of the first times I met Elisa Fink. Like I was wandering around conference and I bumped into her and I think she recognized my name and we, you know, we struck up a conversation. Um, so I would love to see that those kind of accidental interactions continue um, in a virtual way. Absolutely. And I think even if we can find a way to implement that during the sessions, uh, because one of the great joys for me is watching the sessions and seeing other people's reactions and responses, or even being able to lean over to someone and say, wow, um, like when they uh, unveiled dynamic parameters during devs on stage last year, the crowd went nuts. Like mm -hmm. there was some cool stuff and a lot of it was sort of visually oriented. Animations was cool, but like dynamic parameters, that was a game changer for me. Um, and just seeing the excitement from the crowd and seeing, you could tell like what different people's areas of expertise were almost by what they got excited by. So anything where you're getting a sort of wave of response from the other people that are uh, also engaging with it just makes it that much bigger an experience than if you're watching it uh, feeling like you're by yourself. 100% agree. Like I would love to see like a dedicated Slack environment where registered attendees can go into like, okay, so there's a keynote channel and there's all the hands-on training channels where you can chat back and forth. The user, you know, story channels um, where like people could react like to devs on stage. I mean, I can only imagine it would bump it up a notch with all of the emojis and animated uh, GIF files that you would see like as people, you know, announce things. Like I think that would like, allow for a level of engagement where like I wouldn't want to do it on Twitter because it's almost too public. And yeah, I feel like if people are going to attend the sessions live, like there should be some sort of like hook to say you're in this session live and Oh, by the way, here's this other outlet where you can socialize while you're, it's almost like you're sitting next to somebody, you know, in the session. Plus, and I'm saying this as a data nerd, that'll generate a lot of cool data that Tableau can use afterwards, you know, for visualizations yeah. and for analysis. So you can't Absolutely. quantify people yelling in the crowd as much. This is very true. You can only mark a decibel level so many times. Yeah. 
Uh, so you're a solutions engineer now. You said you've been doing this nine months. What's that like? What does your role really entail? And sort of how did your former experiences play into doing this? So as a solutions engineer, I work with the pre-sales team. Uh, so as customers are considering Tableau um, or if they purchase Tableau, I will help with, um, you know, adoption and engagement and, you know, I'll do workshops and, you know, if companies are doing Tableau days, I'll come in and do workshops in those situations. And like, I'll do some light, you know, support, like, you know, how do they do this? How do they do that? Um, and it's funny because I think, you know, having come from the community, I have a lot more resources than most folks might, um, or at least I know where to go for things. So I end up, you know, trying to plug everybody that I talk to into the community. Um, you know, so I'm always trying to, you know, say, oh, you know, you know what you should do is you should check out Makeover Monday. Or have you seen Tableau Public? Because they've got a whole section where you can look at it by industry or by, um, you know, by feature, you know, and you can really kind of figure out you know, some of this stuff by reverse engineering. So, you know, I drive a lot of people to the community because it's such a valuable resource. And I feel like a lot of times when companies get into Tableau, they don't understand that there's that piece of it, which is like, you know, it's steroids for your learning. Um, you know, so I, I end up doing a lot of that. And you get paid for this? I do this for free. Andy Cockreve, <laughs> if you're listening right now, I'll do this for free. Uh, no, um, that's awesome. I, I had no idea that that's actually what that role was. That's really fun. Yeah. And it's nice because it was a very smooth transition. So to prior to joining Tableau, I worked for a regional bank here in Ohio and I was for lack of the actual title, I was their Tableau evangelist. So I developed training classes and I ran the internal user group and I would do proof of concept development for departments and I ran Tableau doctor office. Um, you know, so I, a lot of the things that I do now, I did then. So it was, I knew what worked and what failed. And um, it actually gave me a little street cred considering that I'm in financial services vertical now, you know, so when I talk to banks, I go, I can tell them, yeah, you know what? I was a customer. I was in a bank. We did these things and we saw success and we tried these things and it didn't work so well, but here's where I think it fell down and maybe we can modify it. So um, it's been a pretty cool transition moving from a practitioner to in essence, a salesperson. Um, although I don't, you know, have to worry about the contracts piece, which is good. So what's something, you know what, I'll tell you what, I, I will give you something I've done that worked and something I've done that didn't work. And if you've got examples as well, you're welcome to throw those out, but you don't have to. Okay. Something that uh, I've tried at my work, and I'm usually doing this with my buddy, David Kelly, David's listening. Um, we tried doing Tableau open houses, uh, just open Tableau doctor sessions where it's like, hey, we'll be sitting here for the next two hours. If you need help, come on by abysmal failure like uh as david once said during our first session the time we had the most people in the room is when people came from an adjacent meeting to borrow chairs <laughs> uh, which was very humbling um they're like you guys you're 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 using this room like we're in here it's like you're gonna use those chairs i guess not um something that did work was um making data less scary emails which is something i started doing which was taking tangible examples of people using our internal data products and telling the story of what they did and how they were able to use it successfully um and it's especially powerful in their people that sort of are known by their peers as not being like super enthusiastic about data or using technology who have made a decision using insights that they gained by stepping through a dashboard or something along those lines. So by doing that, both you're providing a tangible example and maybe even providing a step-by-step -step insight of, hey, you could do this too. But it's also taking a lot of the stigma and fear out of it because people are just scared sometimes. 
Yeah, those are, I mean, uh, I know like for, for me, you know, I never tried to do kind of an open house. Um, we had a, an internal community of practice that, you know, brought together the operational reporting, the kind of modeling group and the visual analytics group, which was, you know, Tableau. Um, and like, we tried to cross pollinate and talk about different use cases. And, you know, I think sometimes that spurred um, conversations that happened, but, you know, it was funny because everybody uses the, the excuse that they're busy. And, you know, so they're sitting at their desk, like dialed in rather than walking down two flights of stairs to get into the room where the thing is happening, where they can actually kind of build community. And I think a lot of times, unless someone has experienced that community and seen benefit from it, they find it hard to engage. Um, you know, like I remember when I started out, I would, I used the the forums like back in 2012 and, you know, I'd, I'd answered, a, you know, had a couple of questions answered when I was just getting started, but I guess I didn't, I wasn't really engaged. And it wasn't until like 2016, late 2016, I had hopped onto Twitter and uh, Pooja Gandhi had done, um, I think it was the, uh, the Invisible Garden or Secret Garden. It was something to do with um, Viz for Social Good. And I, I hate myself for not remembering the Viz, but she did this really cool transparent image overlay thing. Like, man, that's really cool. How did you do that? And I could not figure it out for the life of me. Um, so I like sent her a direct message. And she was like the first person that I ever engaged with on a one-on-one -on -one level. And like, she answered me like within an hour and she's like, I'm on the train, you know, but I'll, you know, once I get in the office, I'll like, you know, send you a message. And I was like, no way. And she did. And it was like, wow, this is really cool. And at that point I was hooked. Like I knew that the community was a good thing. And like, I wanted to get everybody involved. And I think the hardest thing in like getting those internal things going is getting them to see that. Value. And I can tell all the stories that I want about it, but until someone experiences it, they just don't understand. One of the pieces of feedback that we got that took us by surprise, but also made some sense was some people felt intimidated to come because they felt that we were sort of sitting in judgment of their work, um, which was definitely not our intention. Um, but I could definitely see how people could get to that when some people are sort of putting themselves out there saying, hey, we're going to offer assistance. Um, people also sort of took it as us potentially like proclaiming ourselves experts when really from our perspective, we were taking like a big vulnerability chance here as a, exposing ourselves as major frauds. Um, because if you ever want to feel like you don't know what you're doing, offer to answer any question. <laughs> or try to walk people through an example, like unprompted, like do do live technical demos. I've, I've created, um, I did my insane go charting thing like last March where I came up uh, with a weird animation technique in Tableau. And I decided to demo that at my Tableau user group meeting. Oh, that was fun. Like seriously, do something technical live. It's the devs on stage, people aren't getting paid enough. Oh, but the, the, the hours of practice that they do with professional speakers, like, you know, that's how the sausage is made and it pays off because they look like pros on stage. They do. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like you're right because people do think it's judgment and, and there is a fine line between judgment and feedback and it's all the way that you deliver it. And like, um, I know Josh Smith, uh, data jackalope for a while was doing the feedback loop and I think Robert's doing it now. Um, but that was such a valuable uh, community project. I don't think it gained a lot of traction, but I know the people that did it found it really valuable to actually learn how to give feedback so you didn't sound judgmental. I think that's an, a very important skill because I think people are typically very well-intentioned when they try to give you feedback, um, especially if someone asks for feedback. Um, 
but yeah, it's definitely very easy. Uh, I'm always very mindful of tone. Uh, I actually installed something uh, in my uh, my browser to sort of monitor my tone when I type a tweet or something, uh, just because it's very difficult to tell. I mean, in person, like people people misunderstand through text, people really misunderstand. Um, oh yeah. So it's really easy to come off of. I feel like I'm just expressing an opinion, but it's coming off as judgmental or, or something beyond that, and it can cause you know, misunderstandings, discomfort, and damage to professional relationships. Totally. So um, you have at least one viz that has crazy numbers of views. And I'm talking about Escape Room, um, <laughs> which is a fascinating viz, by the way. Like, that viz is an excellent teaching tool for walking people through data exploration techniques. How did you that's, come up with this? That's honestly why I created it. Um, so I forget what I, I was trying to figure out how to engage consumers, like people who are looking at data. And I was Googling around and I actually bumped into um, a visualization done by a friend of mine now uh, named Jenny, um, who had made a escape room, a, a digital escape room, as she called it, for the uh, educational uh, group that she worked for. I forget what university it was. Um, but actually, if you go to the escape room, it's linked there as inspiration, because um, I totally, ins you know, inspired by that from her. Um, and so it was really a case of, okay, how can I make a business looking dashboard and teach people how to, you know, engage with filters and, and look at tool tips and understand how filters can affect each other, you know, and not be afraid to click around. And so I actually did this long before I, well, not long before, but before I joined Tableau, I was working on the escape room and I was at, I joined Tableau in the August and in September I was in Seattle for boot camp, and I had a coffee with uh, Courtney, who's uh, kind of the head of the certification group. And I was telling her about the escape room um, and was fascinated by it. So she ended up telling someone in her group. And then I got an email. They're like, hey, we'd love to add this to e-learning. And I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> like, like there was no hesitation. It was just like, take it, you know, put it in e-learning. That's, you know, exactly why I built it. Um, and it's just like, gotten crazy response, which has been awesome. It's like over 200,000 hits last week. Um, which like, I would never think anything that I created would, would hit that high. Um, and like the best part is like, I'll get messages on LinkedIn from random, random people and like, Hey, I was just doing e-learning and I just did your escape room and it's awesome. Thanks so much. And like that stuff just warms my heart. Like I love, love getting that kind of feedback for that. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been kind of fun. And, uh, I, Jenny and I are going to, um, actually do a collaboration. I'm, I'm going to tease it a little bit. We're doing a collaboration on a new escape room. So um, look for that hopefully in the next couple of months. I'm excited that your LinkedIn messages are far more interesting than mine. Actually, no, mine are more interesting than yours. Yours are more positive than mine. I had someone last week ask if I'd do their student project for them. And I had someone else accuse me of using something besides Tableau to make my visualizations, which I guess was, you know, positive in that it seemed impossible. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best compliment you've ever gotten on public work that you can remember? Oh, um, I mean, honestly, it, it's it, the, the thing that just comes to mind is, is the, the escape room. Like I've by far gotten more comments on that than I have on anything else. Like I've gotten random Twitter comments on, you know, different visits for Makeover Monday, you know, you know, people who have linked to things. Um, I guess there's, there's two others. So there's the one that I used Matt Chambers pixelated map technique where you round the latitude and longitude yep. um, for the, like this was uh, violence in Africa visualization um, that got a lot of feedback and a lot of people were, were like imitating it 
Um, so I, I found that to be flattering. And then I did this one on uh, what companies make per second, like Fortune 500 companies make per second. I um, and I think that's probably my one and only biz that I've actually seen stolen and put on on Tableau Public. Um, and I get I stolen is a harsh word, borrowed or, or <laughs> basically it was my visualization on their profile. So, um, but whatever. I mean, it's public for a reason. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was like this arc chart, um, you know, and I think Steve Wexler referred to it as North Korean missile uh, trajectories <laughs> in one of his talks. And I was like, I think I, I will take that as a compliment. The fact that you kind of roasted me in one of your talks. Um, but he actually, he, he called me ahead of time and asked if he could do that. I'm like, absolutely. I'm flattered. Flattered you I'm even to know I'm on your radar. I'm laughing so hard because he, he did, he did say that about that viz in my session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anytime someone of that caliber makes fun of me or ribs me about one of my visualizations, I find that flattering as well. <laughs> yeah. He, he, um, I got to hang out with him a bit and he asked me to still be kind to him when I'm famous and I'm still trying to figure out what he meant by that. But, uh, <laughs> Steve is a, a spectacular guy and his, his classes are truly amazing. If you have the opportunity to attend one, I can't recommend it highly enough. Like seriously, Anyone that has touched the big book of dashboards knows that those three guys um, that made it are amazing. Absolutely. So as we're wrapping up, Mark, by the way, I've had an amazing time. This has been uh, exactly the best way to top off my weekend. So thank you for uh, doing this podcast with me. But is there anything you'd like to shout out or any anybody's name you want to drop or anything before we finish up today? Um, man, I just, th- there's a whole list of people like, um, you know, the, everybody that's kind of been on the Zoom chats and you know, anybody, anybody who considers themselves part of the data fam, like just want to just send my love and and appreciation to all y'all, um, you know, through the job change and everything else, y'all have been just super supportive. And, and I just appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and, um, can't, can't thank you enough. And I value your friendship uh, more than you'll ever know. So, uh, I think as a parting shot, I just want to say thanks to every for that. Well, I don't think I could say anything better after that, Mark. Thank you for coming on tonight. My pleasure, man. It took too long for me to get back here. And let's make sure there's a part two at some point in the future. Part two coming in the future. See you next time, guys. No Jeffrey Schaefer's were harmed in the recording of this podcast. Hey, you're still here? Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash d-a-t-a-p-l-u-s-l-o-v-e. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks for your patronage. Have a great day. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. 
You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3 and you can get more if you choose or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network.